All right, welcome to the Krug Show, everybody. Hope everybody's having a phenomenal December the 5th, 7.09 on the West Coast, 10 minutes, 9 minutes after 10 on the East Coast. Welcome to the Krug Show on YouTube, brought to you by Pig and a Pickle, the best barbecue in all of Northern California. Check them out in Emeryville and Corte Madera. They're open seven days a week from 11 a.m. till 8 p.m. or until they run out. Pig and a Pickle, the best barbecue you're going to find. We're also brought to you by New York-style Italian sausage. The only kind of Italian sausage I will eat is New York-style Italian sausage, and you can find it in every grocery store in Northern California. We're also brought to you by Marin Autoglass. Somebody shatters your windshield, you need a new one? MarinAutoglass.com, 415-883-3030. Check out Marin Autoglass. And then, of course, Mojo Fantasy and Underdog Fantasy. Big fans of both those guys. Uh, check that link in the – use the link in the description. Use the promo code KRUG, K-R-U-E-G, and they will match your first deposit up to $100. And that's at mojofantasy.com as well as underdogfantasy.com. Make sure you use that promo code KRUG. Otherwise, they won't match your first $100. All right, Raj from RSF49ers is in the house. The Niners are feeling good. They beat Philly in Philly. The Seahawks are next. Raj, how are you, man? What did you think of the win? I'm happy as can be, man. Are you kidding me? 49ers walked into the link. They got revenge. This was the game we had circled for months, for months. We kept saying if they, you know, the team kept saying if they had Brock Purdy, they were going to win this game, and they'd win by double digits. Debo said this. He said that. And they all took care of business. And like the young kids say, they stood on business. Debo Samuel and the 49ers walked out, making everybody realize that this team is the best team in the NFL. So absolutely, I am feeling tremendous, Larry. So good. So good. Seriously, there's, there's, you know, it was a great game to watch. It was, uh, it was an amazing game. Why don't we start on the Eagles? Because since the loss, they have been absolutely reeling. David Carr went on the NFL Network and said that they ought to bench Jalen Hurts for Marcus Mariota. Um, Seth Joyner, the former Eagle great, took to the airwaves and started battling back and forth with some of the Eagles players because Seth Joyner said the Eagles tackling in the secondary was terrible. The Eagles have also since signed Shaq Leonard, and there's a lot of people saying that they need to go find new players to compete with the 49ers. What do you think of what's going on in Philadelphia? Obviously, anytime you lose a game of this magnitude, when you're riding as high as the Eagles were at 10 and one, that there's going to be um, a lot of questions and a lot of uh, self-reflection and a lot of kind of looking internally. What do you think? Um, what you know? Are the, are the Eagles gonna gonna circle the wagons off that loss, or are they gonna start circling the drain and lose this week to Dallas and really start to really start to feel the heat? I feel like this is a game that really exposed them, for lack of a better word. It showed the world, like, hey, this is how you beat them. I mean, there was a point where the 49ers stopped the tush push. Like, I know they still got it on the next play, but the physicality. The, you know, A.J. Brown was was locked up. Devontae Smith didn't have a big game. Jalen Hurts didn't have a monster game. They opened, you know, they closed the lanes, his running lanes, and, you know, they took him out. It was one of those games where it was just like, holy smokes, 
the 49ers walked in and they demoralized this team. I think, you know, they had to sign a player after they lost because they realized they couldn't tackle. They needed a linebacker. Their linebacker cores was was absolutely terrible, um, you know, against the 49ers. And, and they were reeling. And the last time they played struggled, they wouldn't sign a safety, you know, Bayard after they struggled against Washington. So this tells me that, yeah, the, the Eagles know that in order to compete with the 49ers, who are the best team in the NFL, and they're going to probably face them later down the line. They need to make sure that they can keep up with the 49ers. So that, that to me, was a move that says, man, we got to make sure that the next time we play them, this doesn't happen to again. So they definitely have the edge. They're a game up on, you know, everybody in the NFC. But Dallas, man, I think they may have been looking ahead. And now they have this game where if they don't win, things can start to get a little dicey because every team faces adversity, Larry. The 49ers went on their three-game losing streak, and everybody thought it was dire straits, end of the world. Now the Eagles are starting to kind of maybe second-guess themselves, and if they have a little bit of a losing streak at this point of the season, it's going to benefit the 49ers. So if you really look at it, that losing streak that the 49ers took early in the season was the best thing could, that could have happened because it woke up the giant. They went and got Chase Young. They put sideline Steve down on the sidelines, and this you know defenses made all the adjustments. They took Ambry Thomas, put him in. Isaiah Oliver's out. The 49ers are in the right place at the right time. And the Eagles, they look like they're kind of on the brink. Well, it, it is interesting. I mean, I don't agree at all with uh, David Carr that they had a bench hurts. Yeah, I mean, that- what? What? Really? That's what you took away from this last game is they need to bench Jalen Hurts? I, 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 what? I mean, seriously, David Carr, very questionable uh, angle on that. But I will say this. I mean, I think you're right, Raj. They were exposed in that they don't tackle well in the secondary. They, they're they missing C.J. Gardner-Johnson in the worst way. And they just don't – they didn't replace him. I mean, they had Avante Maddox at the nickel spot that he got hurt. Then they have Bradley Roby there. They've got some young players in the secondary that they can't quite lean on, right? Sidney Brown, Kingo, uh, or Kaylee Ringo, Eli Ricks. Um, they can't really depend on those guys. And then they've got some veterans that are kind of towards the back end, guys like Darius Slay and and uh, Bradbury and, and Kevin Byard. And, you know, they're veterans. And they've got some just kind of middle-of-the-road guys. I mean, Reed Blankenship. Um, Bradley Roby, you know, these are, these are guys that are just kind of hanging on. And then if you watch the way they, their linebackers looked without Zach Cunningham, I mean, Nicholas Morrow is still getting burned as we speak. I mean, he's just like, that guy's just like absolutely got toasted. Uh, Shanahan made him the conflict defender and the Niners piled up all kinds of yards on Nicholas Morrow. So, I mean, I think they were exposed in that I don't think their linebackers are good enough. Uh, they miss that enforcer in the middle of the field. The Niners just absolutely owned the middle of the field against them. I mean, you name it, all the Niner receivers are just running across the middle with total confidence. Now, the Eagles still have a great kicker. Um, I'll, I'll tell you the other thing I thought was a really quiet part of this game if you watched the Jalen Carter highlight reel this year, he has looked freaking amazing. Like he might be the best defensive tackle in the entire game. Chris Jones included based on the way he's played at times his rookie year, but the Niners sure neutralized him. I, did you remember Jalen Carter's name being called very often on Sunday? 
the one time I noticed his names is when at the end when he was crying, he was crying to the coach. He got, I mean, people were mocking him all over social media. I don't know if you saw, it, but there was an image, there's a video where he's crying to Sirianni. And after the game, he went on social media and he's like, I don't care if I cry at this game. I'd rather be crying than being broke or something like crying about losing than crying being broke. He got neutralized. The 49ers did a good job of neutralizing that defensive line. Hassan Reddick, he was nowhere to be found. The 49ers just, they beat him. They bullied him. Trent Williams, this offensive line, Colton McKivitz, everybody just did their job and they could not get past the big linemen of the 49ers. And everybody talks about how great, you know, the Eagles linemen are and how good, you know, um, <clears throat> you know, uh, Hassan Reddick and all these guys and their offensive line. It didn't look like they were the better team. It didn't look like they were the better, uh, you know, team in the trenches. Because one thing we talked about all week leading up to this game was it was going to be a battle of the trenches. Whoever wins that battle wins this game. And 49ers won that battle. I think the 49ers, I saw a stat. They had 46 pressures on the Eagles. That's 46 crazy. pressures. 46, man, they dominated the trenches. Bottom line, I heard nothing about Jalen Carter other than the fact that he was crying at the end of the game. That's it. What was the biggest surprise to you? Good, bad, Niners, Eagles, either direction. Just If I just said to you the surprising aspect of the Niners' 42-19 win over Philly. The surprising thing, it was, it was easy. It looked like it was easy. After the first quarter where, you know, they pretty much, um, you know, they struggled a little bit. They had a six-point, you know, lead, and they only the, the Niners had not, negative six yards. To me, the adjustments they made, were incredible, Larry. Like, I was like, wow, after that, they didn't look back, and they just shut them down. I thought it was going to be more competitive. I thought it was going to be closer. But the Eagles just had no answer for the 49ers over the middle, Debo Samuel. And just when you thought they were going to have a little bit of momentum, the 49ers just kept pushing. And and the other really big takeaway that I loved at this game was how aggressive Kyle Shanahan was. Like, he usually plays safe. A little conservative. He plays not to lose. No, he was aggressive. He put the pedal down to the metal, and he kept on trying to score, score six unanswered touchdowns. Like, that was crazy. Um, that was it to me is the fact that the 49ers were so aggressive, and they just made the game look easy. After that first quarter, they they felt comfortable. They made the adjustments. And they didn't look back. I thought it was going to be so much more um, – What's the word? Uh, close, I thought it was going to be a close game, Larry. I, I really did. I did, too. I did, too. Um, I thought the Eagles, there were people that were hinting at a blowout. Uh, Dante Whitner suggested it could be a blowout. Dave Lombardi suggested it could be a blowout. I never allowed myself to think like that. I just kept thinking that this was going to be an absolute war, and it wasn't. Uh, but if you said to me the biggest surprise, the biggest surprise is that the Niners got three sacks and Bosa, Chase Young, Hargrave got none, and Kalia Davis and Javon Kinlaw combined for three. Yeah, I mean that was that was a shocker. That was a shocker. Now, granted, one time uh, Hertz just kind of fell at the feet of Kinlaw, and he got the sack just because he tagged off on him. But still, I mean, Kalia Davis and Kinlaw, two interior players, combined for three sacks, and everybody else got none. Yeah, that was amazing. Like, Javon Kinlaw coming out, having a great day, like the best game of his career. First sack since 2020, Kalia Davis. Like, these 49ers just came out, and, again, they imposed their will. You know, you would think Chase Young, Nick Bosa were the ones that would get the sacks, and to see those guys get the numbers was it was great. It just shows you, though, 
that how much pressure, like you said, 46 pressures, the fact that everybody was getting back there, someone was getting to Jalen Hurts and it was making him throw, uh, you know, uh, uncharacteristic passes that he normally doesn't have. He didn't have the time he normally has. Um, and, and they were closing out lanes. And the other big thing is I'm so happy that the 49ers secondary has kind of solidified itself. Like, look how good, um, you know, Mooney. Ambry, yeah. Mooney, Ambry. Ambry. And Diamador yeah. Lenore. This man looked like Deshaun Golson out there, Larry. I mean, hit stick, hit stick. Hit stick. This guy was just dominating people. And he had a big hit on AJ Brown too early in the game. This 49ers secondary is showing what they can actually do when they have time, um, you know, to cover and, and be aggressive with the offense or defensive line, you know, getting the pressure. This secondary has been incredible over the last couple of weeks. Steve Wilkes, you know, he's a DB guy, he's a DB coach. And now we're seeing what his defense can be when it's at its full peak. So I'm I'm impressed with this secondary. I'm really impressed with how Steve Wilkes has really made the adjustments over the last couple of weeks. Weeks ago, people were sitting here calling for his name, fire him, get rid of him. Can Salah come back? Can they get a better defense coordinator? He looks like the best defensive coordinator in the NFL right now. It's incredible, Larry. Well, I'll tell you, the, the other thing that was a surprise to me, um, Raj, was that the Niners, I felt like, won on both sides of the line of scrimmage. You know, last year in the matchup, Eagles ran you know, for almost 150 yards. And the Eagles piled up a bunch of sacks and knocked out a couple quarterbacks and just made a huge impact. Um, this time, the 49ers held Philly to 2.6 yards per carry. Hmm. The Niners' offensive line uh, opened up run lanes to the tune of the Niners ran for 150 yards and 5.2 a carry. And then hits on the quarterback. I mean... The Eagles last year were a monster. They had 70 sacks and all kinds of hits on the quarterback. They had three hits on Brock Purdy. The Niners had nine hits on Jalen Hurts. They had three times as many quarterback hits, and they ran the ball effectively, and they stopped the run. Last year, they couldn't stop the run, and they couldn't run the ball, and they couldn't block this front. Now, you know, their front couldn't be blocked, and the Niners were the ones who ran the ball, and and stop the run. So just the fact that the Niners got it done at the line of scrimmage was absolutely incredible to watch. And the whole thing was just stunning to watch. It was, a, and, and it was, it was much easier than I thought it was going to be. Uh, maybe it just, it looked that way. Maybe the Niners made it look easy, but um, it just seemed much, much easier. Um, all right. Let's talk a little bit about Debo. He mm. was incredible. He was on television today. Yeah. or maybe yesterday with Kay Adams. And here's what he had to say about Brock Purdy being the MVP of the NFL. Here it is. Where's Brock in your your personal MVP conversation? Man, my boy number one right now. It ain't up for debate. I mean, there's a lot of... Tyshawn goes, mm-hmm, yeah, oh, yeah. That's, yeah. that's the one. Well, can I hear the argument for, for Brock What's the case for Brock to be the MVP? Um, you know, he's just got to keep stacking games, stacking days, stacking weeks. So we got to go out here and continue to make plays for him. And I think he'll get the job done for us in the MVP conversation. But I don't think that's his ideal goal, of course. You know, um, something that he really, really want to accomplish right now. I think at the end of the day, as a whole, as a group, as a, you know, as a team, we want to be standing there, standing there at the end of the year holding the Lombardi trophy. There you go. Um, 
what do you think, Raj? I mean, is is Brock the MVP of the NFL? I know there's a lot of people who are like, what? Oh, my God, you got to be kidding me. Um, but, you know, if you look at the numbers, the numbers say that he should be the MVP. I mean, you know, that the numbers are there. I mean, they, they really are. He leads the NFL in yards per attempt, so he's driving the ball down the field. And then he's also leading the NFL in completion percentage. So this idea that he's like some guy who lives underneath, he doesn't live underneath. He's driving the ball further down the down the field than any other quarterback in football. And he's completing the highest percentage while doing that. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing of the 10 quarterbacks who have thrown at least 20 touchdowns. Purdy has the second fewest interceptions of the group. He also leads the NFL in passer rating throws that result in a first down. He's tied for the most passes of 40 plus yards. So he's absolutely taking shots. He's the betting favorite as of the, as of yesterday morning to win the MVP. He jumped over Hertz and Prescott and why shouldn't he, he hung 40 on both those guys teams head to head and, and won convincingly. But I mean, I've heard people suggest that, if Brock Purdy wins the MVP, it's somehow some kind of a blight on the uh, NFL. He's the leader in EPA. Purdy leads the NFL in EPA per play at pl- at point three eight. Dak Prescott's in second at point two six. That's a huge, huge gap. Is Purdy the MVP? Absolutely. Like you know, this is what I said all week, and I'm sure Debo would say that because he got him the ball a lot this week. Um, but even still, I think. Like you said, all the rankings, we said passer rating, completion percentage, touchdowns to attempt, yards to attempt, yards per completion. Like he's number one in all those and then some. Um, And, you know, you have the people, the critics that say, oh, well, you know, if he's out there, he's just delivering the ball to his weapons and they go do all the work. Like it's not easy just to get the ball to those guys. He's throwing with anticipation. He's floating the passes. He's putting it where they need to be. That offense is tough. And again, I've always said. You have to be a good, like a point guard, facilitate the ball everywhere, like a Magic t- Johnson type guy. And he's doing it. He's getting the ball to his playmakers. And luckily for the 49ers, they're great playmakers. You get it to them in space and they're going to do what they got to do. Debo, Kittle, and all those guys. You know, everybody sit here, sits here and says, well, oh, Patrick Mahomes doesn't have any receivers, this and that. But now imagine if he had receivers, people would say, oh, see, he's the greatest person on on earth because look what he does. But it's so it's a it's a different argument Brock Purdy oh he has too many weapons you know it's like it's like he's almost penalized for having a good team but if you're a football team it's what you want to do is have a good team you draft players that are good football players Uh, that's the whole point is put good players on your roster so he's doing what he has to do and the 49ers have had many quarterbacks with this system you know with Kyle Shanahan and none of them could do what Brock Purdy's doing he's going out there he's putting the ball where it needs to be and there was another stat this week where Again, if you really look at everybody that says, oh, he's just throwing it to his playmakers, he's not doing it, you know, under pressure. He was blitzed 10 times. He was 10 for 10, 215 yards, three touchdowns, a perfect passer rating. He had a perfect passer rating in a whole game a couple weeks ago. Like, he's putting it where it needs to be. He's getting rid of the ball fast. Sometimes he can't throw it fast because he's or, or deep because he's getting pressured. So, yeah, he has to throw it to those guys five yards down the field. And it's the defense's fault. If you can't tackle Debo Samuel – after five yards, if you can't tackle George Kittle, that's your own damn defense's fault because they're there. They, you can tackle them. If he's only throwing a five-yard pass, why can't you stop it from going 10, 20, 30 yards? That's the defense that needs to figure out how to figure, you know, tackle. Eagles, 
they figured out they couldn't tackle, so they went and signed a, a new linebacker. So Brock Purdy, hands down, is the MVP. And what I said last week is he needs to have a statement game, and he did it. He walked into the link, the game where he was knocked out, you know, and, and we lost the NFC Championship game. He walked in there. He left with four touchdowns, outplayed Jalen Hurts, no interceptions, and he walked out having his name chanted out of the stadium. That absolutely is an MVP performance. If that's not an MVP performance to me, I don't know what is, Larry. So well said. So well said. Um, I want to go back to the stat that you just cited. I mean, think about this. There is no more adversity than playing on the road in December in Philly against a team that's 10-1 and that ended your career almost last game, ended your season, tore your elbow off. And he, in that game, rolls in there, throws for 300 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. But you said it, Raj, against the Blitz, 10 for 10 for 213 yards, three touchdowns, and a 158.3 passer rating. 10 for 10 against the Blitz. We're talking about a quarterback in Brock Purdy that's on pace for 4,500 passing yards, 33 touchdowns, nine picks. He's got a 135.8 passer rating on on throws that are 10-plus yards down the field. That is first among all quarterbacks. The Niner offense exploded on the road. Um, they were minus six yards at the end of the first quarter. They piled up 456 with Brock driving the train. And the top the top eight passer rating games this season, Purdy has number one of the top seven. He's got one, five, six, and seven. He has four of the seven best passer, passer rating games in the league this year. I'm going to say it. I'll say it. You know, it's like I'll, I thought this guy was good back way, 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 way back. But I'll say it right now. This guy's great. Forget good. Forget good enough. This guy's great. I think it's I think it's time we change the narrative on Brock Purdy from, you know, is he this? Is he that? Is he this? Is he that? To this guy's freaking great. I mean, it's not, he's not Jimmy Garoppolo. He's worlds better than Jimmy Garoppolo. Worlds better than Jimmy Garoppolo. This is the best 49er quarterback since Steve Young. This guy's better than Garoppolo, better than Kaepernick. Love Jeff Garcia, better than Garcia. This is the best Niner quarterback since 1994 when Mike Shanahan was the offensive coordinator and the Niners beat the Chargers in the Super Bowl. This is the, the their best quarterback since. This guy is freaking great. Not good. Not pretty good. This guy is great. Yeah. Maybe maybe he didn't doesn't look the way some people want him to look. Ain't my problem. This guy is great. All these people talking about, oh, you know what? I guess the that three game stretch where he threw a couple picks. Yeah, that showed the training camp pass uh, interceptions mean something. You're an idiot. It means nothing. This guy is great. Yeah, absolutely. And again, 
people think he's not what he needs. You know, he's not an MVP. People are still hung up on his draft status. Like people are still, you know, doubting the guy because of where he was drafted in the NFL. The number, you know, last pick of the draft. They need to get over it. Like he's putting the work in, just like you said. And they need to get over it. Like he's beaten Dak Prescott head to head. He's beaten Jalen Hurts head to head. Those are guys that are supposed to be MVP candidates. And he's looked better than them. He's played better than them. You know, although Dak's really had a hot streak lately, we'll see how he does this weekend against Philly. But ultimately, Dak beat them both, you know, head to head. Uh, We'll see what happens in a couple of weeks. They play the Ravens. You know, Lamar Jackson's another MVP candidate. That's a guy that, you know, is going to go head to head with um, uh, Brock Purdy and the Niners. So honestly, Dak's or or Brock Purdy's beating every single top quarterback that he's faced. And, you know, I, I get it. He had the three game slide, but every team goes through adversity. The Cowboys, they were looking like absolute, you know, trash a couple of weeks ago. The Niners handed him a huge loss, and people were questioning Dak Prescott a couple of weeks ago, and then, of course, he goes on a run. Now Jalen Hurts, like you said, uh, people are saying he should maybe be benched for Mariota. Like, there's questions about every quarterback. Josh Allen, he gets questioned every week. You know, last night, Patrick Mahomes walked into Lambeau, and he lost to Jordan Love in the Packers. Like, there's questions about every single quarterback. And you know what? Brock Purdy... He's not like anybody else. Everybody's going to have questions about him, but he's delivering and he bounced back after, you know, those tough games. And and he had a concussion, whether that impacted him or not, it is what it is. But the 49ers are winning and they're seeing a quarterback do things that they have not seen in a very long time. He's going to be the first 49er quarterback to throw for 4,000 yards since like 2000. Jeff Garcia was the last guy to do it. It's the guy's great. The guy is absolutely great. Um, you know, he makes play after play after play. If you don't believe me and you need more of a clinical evaluation, go watch the JTO Sullivan quarterback school evaluation of Brock this week. And he uses words like surgical. You know, he's surgical in his precision in the short in the short game, in the intermediate game. In in that eight yards to twenty-five yard window. This guy is just putting out dime after dime after dime. It's impressive. It's absolutely impressive. Clarsard says Brock is a Pro Bowl lock. A Pro Bowl. I mean, heck, didn't uh, Tyler Huntley, I think, might have played in the Pro Bowl last year. Um, We got this one from 49er Throwback. Everyone thought Brock would regress and that he's dink and dunk. What happened? Y'all look stupid. Yeah, I mean, seriously. I mean, think about it. If you were truly all in on Team Trey, you were in on a guy who was a third string, who is currently a third string quarterback that you wanted, you were demanding play over a guy who's going to win the MVP potentially. Think about that. That's a, that's hard to come back from. You know, if everybody and your brother knows that uh, you were like, hey, it's got to be Trey, it's got to be Trey. Trey's a third string quarterback in Dallas, and you prefer to play him over a guy who maybe is going to win the MVP. That's a hit to your football credibility right there. I don't care who it's who said it or what they said. I mean, that's just unbelievable. I mean, look at that. Look at how. How close people thought that was. Oh, you know, they, at, at worst, they should share time. One guy's a third-string quarterback on his second franchise. The other guy's potentially going to win the MVP. 
Roger Gill says, Larry, why calling Grant an idiot? I'm not calling Grant an idiot. I'm saying that if you think that what happens in a practice is it really it has a lot has a lot to do with what happens in games. You're not seeing it the way you should see it. I'm not calling him an idiot. I love Grant. Grant helped me when nobody else would. Um, I, I get great respect for Grant. We don't always agree. We don't agree on this quarterback. I see greatness and have for a long time. I've been advocating for this guy for two years. Um, I said last February that, you know what? The Niners are going to trade Trey Lance and they're going to recommit to Brock Purdy. And I got called everything, every possible heinous name you could think of. Yeah. I got called that for, for uh, two and a half months. And then it was like, well, you said he was going to be traded by the draft. I said he was going to be traded. And then, and then they were moving on from Trey. And it was clear that day. And they wanted to trade him during the draft. They just couldn't find their price. They didn't get their price. If they had gotten a better offer on draft day, Trey would have been traded on draft day. Instead, they hedged, they waited, and they traded him later. But, I mean, wow. Wow. Um, hike the like button. Let's go. Yeah. If you haven't already hit like and subscribe, please hit like and subscribe. Once again, we're brought to you by New York style Italian sausage, Marine Auto Glass, and Pig and a Pickle, not to mention Underdog Fantasy and Mojo Fantasy as well. Um, CJ Gray, Larry, say that, then have Grant on, LOL. I have Grant on every week. We just, just talked to him yesterday. We, we don't try to work on a consensus. We don't agree. We don't agree. I think this quarterback is great, and I've been saying it for a long time. This quarterback is great. Um, but now it's time to just shout it at the mountaintop. Um, Jimbo says, Larry loves Grant. I do. I absolutely do. I got more respect for Grant than I got for almost anybody in Bay Area media. Um, we just don't agree. We don't agree on, on uh, this quarterback right now. I personally see a quarterback that has enough arm strength and has all these special traits of accuracy and intelligence. And um, I see a truly outstanding player. Now I'll, I'll go, I'll go, I'll bet me backtrack a little bit. Cause I don't want to be the, I told you so I told you so to this degree, I didn't see the guy winning the MVP, mm. right? Raj, yeah. you and I have been streaming for years here. I have no point said, Hey, this guy's going to win the MVP. Yeah, That to me is just, that kind of blows my mind that that's where he's at. But this idea that he couldn't get better after year one was also lunacy. Yeah, exactly. That was the th the biggest thing is I thought he'd get better. He's 23. He's a young quarterback. He could only improve. You know, my thing was, okay, let's just make sure the elbow's okay. Is he going to be able to get back into shape and form? But I felt like he did it better. But nobody saw this coming. Like the fact that he's leading the NFL in every top, top category – He's top in the MVP, you know, odds right now. It, it's crazy. And, again, people can sit here and say, you know, it, it's um, a, a system, whatever the case is. Like, I saw a thread today on Twitter that, you know, people are like, oh, if you had Johnny Manziel, if you had this quarterback, you insert X quarterback into this lineup, they'd be MVP candidate. And it's crazy. Someone said Mac Jones. Like, there's no way any of these quarterbacks can do what Brock Purdy's doing. Like, you watch – if you actually watch the 22 film on this guy – He's doing things that are absolutely amazing, just fitting the ball into very sharp, you know, tight windows and the anticipation throws where he threw it into four defenders a couple of weeks ago, right? Like he is just doing things at a very, very um, 
amazing level for a 23 year old guy that was the last pick in the draft where everybody says, well, whatever, he's not that great in arm talent. He makes big throws. Like there was the pass to CMC this week, like floated it up to him. Anticipation. He's throwing the 76 yarder to IU. He threw the 66 yarder to Kittle. Like he throws deep when they need to. It's just, they don't always need to because their offense is so different in terms of motion, you know, getting the ball to CMC, you know, getting the short passes to Kittle and everything to set up those big passes. And when they have the, when they have you on the brink, they go over the top. That's the one thing they were missing with Jimmy. Every time they tried to throw deep, Larry, they could not connect. And I was so sick to my stomach. Every time I saw this man miss a deep pass, Purdy's money on those passes. Jimmy is what, what people say of Purdy. That yeah. what Jimmy's people say of Purdy. Ah, you know, he's a product of Shanahan. No, Garoppolo was a product of Shanahan. Absolutely. Oh, he's dink and dunk. He can only operate underneath. No, Garoppolo is dink and dunk and cannot only operate underneath. Um, almost everything that gets attributed to Brock really is a truism about Jimmy Garoppolo. I was sitting in the press box on the Miami game last year in week 13. And Caleb Homera's from the Niners was sitting right next to me, and Ryan Smith was there as well. And per, uh, Garoppolo goes down. And Caleb, who I've been talking up Purdy to literally all since camp, was like, hey, Krug, your boy's in. And I looked down, and I was like, what? He's like, yeah, they're carting Garoppolo back to the locker room. I'm like, oh, really? And I said, right then and there, I said, well, the 49ers just got appreciably better at quarterback. And there was like five people in the first row in the press box that shot me a glance over their shoulder. Like, are you freaking crazy? You know, we just lost Jimmy Garoppolo and we're bringing in a guy that none of, none of us have ever even heard of. And you're saying he's better, but he was better and he is better. And it was obvious to me well before that Miami game that he was way better. Yeah. Um, but I'd watched him every day in practice. I've been watching these guys every day. That's the one advantage I had. So I was at practice. I was at practice in all, all of May, all of June, all of July when camp started. I was at every practice. Well, you see every practice, you start to see it a little bit, a little bit differently, possibly. Um, but yeah, Brock Purdy today is the favorite to win the MVP. And I don't know if he's going to win it. But I think it's time for all of us to just acknowledge that any of the naysayers are crazy. And if you don't like Brock right now, it's probably says more about you than him. Um, and this guy's great. And he is a truly great player. And the Niners are blessed to have this guy. Um, and I love that I that I asked him the question that people were asking me last week, saying that you know, Brock's the weak link. They're not Brock Purdy ain't rolling into Philly and this and all this garbage. And so I said to him, I said, Brock, you know, they think you're the weak link. And he's like, really? I hadn't heard that before, but he took note of it. And then he goes in there and throws four touchdowns, no turnovers, and just, just absolute played with incredible poise and took the game, just took it over. Yeah. Um, an amazing thing. All right. We have news today in Ninerland. Let's hit that. The Niners cut Ty Davis price and signed Logan Ryan. Raj, give me your assessment of this. I mean, obviously they needed to, um, you know, to add a defensive back, but man, I'm looking at that 2022 draft. 
It was Drake Jackson in round two, Ty Davis Price in round three. Yeah. Danny Gray in round three. He's still on the team. Spencer Burford in round four. He started at right guard. Samuel Womack in round five. He's still there. Got a lot of potential. Uh, Nick Sakel in round six. He's on the IR, done for the year. Kalia Davis in round six. He just got his first uh, sack of his career. Tariq Castro-Fields was cut. He's no longer there. And pick number 262 in round seven, Brock Purdy. <clears throat> I mean, that draft you'd give an A to. Mm-hmm. And yet, look at those. The Niners had uh, one, two, three picks in the first three rounds. And right now, they've got Danny Gray, Ty Davis Price, and Drake Jackson out of those three picks. Wow. What do you, what, give me your assessment of, of, uh, the news of the day that, uh, Ty Davis price is gone. Does it surprise you at all? Yeah. So, I mean, based off that, honestly, if Brock Purdy hadn't been drafted and panned out the way he has, it's probably one of the worst drafts I've seen in a long time. I mean, Kalia Davis is finally starting to roll around. I like Womack's potential, but they're still developing. They're still learning, but those first three picks, Drake Jackson, you know, he hasn't lived up to his second round billing. He got injured. Um, Ty Davis Price, man, this is just another third-round running back that Kyle Shanahan drafted and overvalued. He does better in drafting running backs in the seventh round and undrafted. He gets these undrafted gems. We've seen many, many, many times, Jermichael Hasty, you know, Matt Breida. We've seen Elijah Mitchell, all these guys, Raheem Moster, all these guys that come out of nowhere, pretty much. Uh, Jeff Wilson Jr., all those guys were so much better than the third-round guys that they had. It's unfortunate for DDP because it was a position where – Honestly, if you're going to cut someone, you can cut a running back because you have CMC. He's the, he's an MVP candidate. Elijah Mitchell's been solid when he's in, and Jordan Mason's been solid when he's in. So really, TDP was the low man on the totem, totem pole. It's unfortunate for him, but the release makes sense because he's not going to sit there and see the field. He's been an inactive player for the last several weeks. He's been you know relegating to basically going to practice and not even seeing the field. It's unfortunate for the guy. You know, He has talent, but... The 49ers have really good running backs, and CMC's too good. You're not going to take anybody's spot, you know, in this running back field where it's set. Kyle's really stubborn about his running backs, and I like the move. Logan Ryan, he's a solid veteran. He's not going to be an elite guy, you know, in any sense of the word, but he's a good veteran. You know, Jair Brown is a young young safety. He's um, being molded because he's the future of this team. Obviously, Hufunga and Odom are injured, and they'll come in, you know, when they need to come back. They'll be, you know, healthy and everything, but – Jair Brown has got a lot of pressure on his shoulders. And to flank him with Gibson and Logan Ryan in the locker room, two really good veterans, two guys have been in the league for over 10 years each. You know, Logan Ryan's a two-time Super Bowl champion with the Patriots, a guy that Belichick loved. I like it. Again, he's not going to come in and have to be an elite starter. He can start in a pinch. He can play special teams. It's going to be good quality depth. And at this point in the season, it's really hard to get solid, you know, contributions from anybody in free agency. So I thought it was a good signing and it did make sense to me that they had to get rid of a running back. And again, TDP low man on the totem pole, but moving forward, Kyle Shanahan better not draft any running backs in the third round, or I'm going to be sick to my stomach, Larry. (laughs) Seriously. Yeah. I mean, there's some good running backs in this draft. I like Blake Corum from Michigan. I like Mm -hmm. the kid Estime from Notre Dame quite a bit. Um, They're like, you know, third, fourth round guys, but man, wait till the end, you know, wait till the end, go, go get Ulysses Bentley or somebody like that out of Ole Miss or, 
or, you know, I mean, there, there's a bunch of good running backs that will be involved, you know, around late, no more third round backs. I agree. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, you know, there's their track record is terrible. They have now, um, you know, Mason's a hell of a back. You can't even get on the field. Uh, I think Ty Davis price had a good camp, but um, it's like, he just can't, he can't get on the field. And it's, uh, it's unfortunate that they had to cut him loose. But, um, you know, there's some, he's got good power. He runs with good power. He's got decent speed. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he does something else elsewhere. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, for they needed another veteran defensive back. And, you know, when anybody went out this week, Isaiah Oliver was the player that came on the field. And maybe Logan Ryan now jumps ahead of Isaiah Oliver. You know, he's got experience on special teams. He can play corner. He can play safety. He's versatile. Also could be a sign that Eric Harris, um, who they just signed, maybe is not up to the task. He played 14 plays on special teams this last week. Um, and, you know, maybe they're they're looking for somebody who could fill George Odom's shoes. Yeah. Um, I don't know. But, I mean, you can never have enough really veteran, solid defensive backs uh, if you're making a run for a Super Bowl title, and it was, it's unfortunate that Ty Davis Price had to be cut loose because I think he's got some talent. But Logan Ryan clearly will 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 help the 49ers. Um, how confident are you that the Niners are going to get that number one seed? I honestly, I'm I'm starting to become very confident. I know if if Philadelphia loses to the Cowboys this weekend, Larry, I don't think the 49ers are losing a game the rest of the season. They're gonna they're going to run the table. Gonna run the Niners table. are going to run the table. They'll beat the Ravens. The Ravens is the hardest matchup they got. Um, it's a good matchup. It's a tough one, but it's in Levi Stadium. And I think the edge will be with the Niners because that crowd's going to be rocking. It's Christmas. They're not losing in front of the fans in Christmas. It'd be a very disappointing Christmas. I think they're going to have a lot of energy. So what's um, left? It's at, it's Seattle at home Seattle. this week. Then it's at Cardinals, uh-huh. uh, which will be almost like a home game. Then it's home against Ravens on Christmas night on ABC yeah. national TV. Yeah. Best running game in the game. Then they play at the commanders and they finish with the Rams on January the 7th. Yeah. And those play are the all- commanders on new year's Eve day. Yeah. New year's Eve day. It's going to be an early morning, 10 AM West coast start on Fox in the early window Niners commanders. So you yeah. think the Niners are going to run the table. So basically you're saying if Dallas gets the win, you think the Niners are the, the road to the Super Bowl is going through Levi's? If Dallas win, beats the Eagles, they're not losing a game, and they already beat Philly. They already beat, they already beat Dallas. They got the number one seed locked up. They're not losing a game, Larry. So I'm very confident. But it all depends on if Dallas can beat Philly this week. And if Dallas doesn't beat Philly, I don't know if Philly's losing another game. Number one weakness for the 49ers post-Eagles that you see. If you said right now, What's the biggest concern, the biggest weakness that the Niners have as a football team? <laughs> it's hard to put, point in a weakness after that game. They look dominating. I guess, um, I guess safety maybe still is the you know the key. I know Hufunga's out, so they have the rookie Jair Brown. At some point, teams are going to try to find a way to pick on him. He's handled his business. He's really stood his ground. But I mean, the cornerbacks are good. I, I feel like maybe that's their only weakness is safety. Linebacker depth is, is amazing. The offensive line, honestly, has played so good. I was so impressed by how this offensive line played against the Philadelphia Eagles. 
Uh, so maybe outside of safety, still have an O-line issue because I don't know how much you can trust a guy like Colton McKivitz and, you know, that O-line down the stretch. But they, they had a heck of a game against Hassan Reddick and everybody. So really, it's hard to really find a hole, Larry. They, they looked absolutely. I was going to say right guard. Right guard, maybe. Were you surprised Feliciano didn't get any snaps? Yeah, I was. I thought his the plan was for him to kind of take over Burford there. But so Burford must be really working his butt off in practice because that that was a a spot that I was like, okay, maybe they're going to split. Maybe Feliciano's going to steal it because he played good. But shout out to Burford. He's really stepped up his game since Feliciano has been in the lineup. I think Burford was like, okay, this guy's breathing down my neck. I need to step up. He played good. Um, low Jackson asks, um, where'd you get that hoodie from? Oh, we got this from uh fresh society out there at the mall there. Um, uh, down in Oak Ridge mall, fresh society. It's a pretty cool shop out here. Let me see those. Let me see those arm patches. So we got the, the little, uh, 49ers. This has got the 49ers arm patch here embroidered That's That's and then nice. NFC patch here. And then the huge bloom logo right there the sf logo look at that look at that and that hat also got some uh you got some some pins on that yeah flag that we got the residency hat we got the tommy nello he's got all types of pins the newest one was this pin the the rock the brocky balboa after beating the eagles so all types of pins man whose number is that does it Uh, say 49 it just says 49 because you know how the niners decorate the rocky statue so they put the 49 jersey on, on did that. you see the fans run up there dancing around the statue i love that video yeah, love, I love that video love that my show. favorite video and i'm afraid to play it because i think we'll get uh monetized or whatever demonetized but uh the one where brock runs off the field with the fans chanting purdy uh-huh. purdy eight man i mean what a moment man i almost feel like i almost feel like i need to ask him this week about that ask about him. about that moment Please. running off the field and people, the the Niner fans still there, packing the house in Philly, chanting Purdy, Purdy, Purdy. And you're running off the field having having beat the Eagles and putting throwing for 300 yards and four touchdowns. I mean, That's that great. what does that feel like? I need to know about that question because that was an incredible. I mean, if that's me, I just felt like on a super high, man. He looked. I mean, that was amazing, Larry. It was amazing. Skipped off saying, let's F and go. Oh, yeah, that was amazing. I, Great I also, moment. Great I moment. You to ask about Debo and, and, you know, how's he feeling after standing on business? That was an impressive game by Debo. Oh, my God. You know what I was really impressive, too? When you go through the, um, the J.T. O'Sullivan film, mm-hmm. there are so many examples of awesome play designed by Shanahan and then awesome selfless play from their stars. There was one on the touchdown to, I think, Jennings. Uh, CMC steps into the A-gap and stonewalls the blitzer. Yeah. And the ball comes out. Um, and and out to Jennings. Jennings scores the touchdown. On the next play, um, I think it was G- CMC went into motion. And, or no, CMC on the, on the Debo tunnel screen. I don't know if you saw the all twenty-two on the Debo tunnel screen. Yeah, I watched the. Uh, oh, I watched. Did you see this? Oh, it was amazing. Yeah. So, the, so basically, on the Debo tunnel screen, it was a tunnel screen to the uh, to the offensive left, but you had CMC offset to the right, and he faked like he was going to get the halfback toss. Purdy never faked the toss. It was he. It was just. 
it was just CMC putting his hand out saying, get me the ball. But him putting the hand out made Nicholas Morrow, I believe, take three false steps to his left. And then Debo on the tunnel screen gets it on the offensive left side and sprints diagonally across. And the linebacker would have had a shot at him, but he was just a step beyond because of the fake because of the ball fake or the, you know, the, the fake to the halfback toss to McCaffrey in the flat. I mean, it was just, it was, it was an awesome, it was an awesome sequence. All right. Do you look at Seattle as a trap game? In a way, yes, because, you know, the 49ers are right in the side. And like I said, I think they're in a way feeling like they got this number one seed as long as Philly loses, but the 49ers have to handle their own business. They can't worry about other teams. So in a sense, yeah, because they already came off this huge win. They had this huge win against, the, you know, um, Seattle a couple weeks ago. So I feel like the 49ers could be looking ahead and, and trying to make sure that they're counting their reservations for the number one seed. So in a way, yeah, I know Seattle's tough. They're going to play them tough. It's a division game. Pete Carroll, you know, he don't mess around. He's going to make sure he makes the adjustments, and he's probably pissed off for losing that last game. Um, they, they had a chance where they were kind of nipping away, and they came back. They had that pick six. And I remember going, I was like, uh-oh, we're letting them hang around. But the 49ers found a way to, you know, get past those mistakes and uh, turn it back up, and they were able to finish the game out strong. So I think that it could be, but I don't think that it – I don't think the 49ers are going to lose this game. But I do think it's going to be a little bit more closer, contested than that Thursday night game because that second half was pretty close until the 49ers were able to kind of get back on track. So I kind of see – the game maybe being uh, more competitive this time around, but I mean, I could be totally wrong. The 49ers are on a heater right now. No doubt. Two last ones before we get you out of here. We'll hit the supers and we'll jet yeah. team that you fear the most right now, standing between the Niners and the Super Bowl. Now that they vanquished the Eagles, they destroyed Dallas. They wiped out Seattle. Who do you fear most? Honestly, the San Francisco 49ers, they're, they're their own worst enemy. If they make mistakes, they're going to lose like they did those first, you know, those three games where they lost. If they make mistakes and, you know, they turn the ball over, they make penalties, like those three games was not how the 49ers can play. That was uncharacteristic. Like that's the team I fear the most is the 49ers. And the other team I fear the most, an actual team, is the Ravens. Because if the 49ers do win this weekend and the Eagles do lose this weekend, and we have our own destiny to control. I think the Ravens are the only team left on the schedule that could beat us and really throw a wrench in the, the number one seed plans. But the 49ers proved they could walk into any stadium and win, Larry, this weekend after walking out of Lincoln Financial with the dub. Um, Jake Browning had a huge game. I guess I would say I fear the Bengals. If Jake Browning can somehow get the Bengals in the playoffs and Joe Burrow can get healthy by the – by the end of the playoffs, I would fear the Bengals. Mm. Um, I just think the Bengals, you know, I know they were life and death to beat the Jaguars, but how about Jake Browning from Folsom, 354 yards and a touchdown. I mean, he, he did his best Brock Purdy impersonation yeah. last night for sure. Um, okay. How about the last one here? Steve Wilkes, since the bye week, the Niners have turned it up on D Wilkes is on the sideline. Oliver's on the bench. Ambry's in the lineup. Chase Young is now a Niner. What's been the key to the turnaround? Uh, is it Wilkes on the sideline? Is it is it the presence of Jair? Is it the presence of Chase? Is it um, is it changing out Oliver for 
Ambry, what what do you think is the big difference I mean, in the Niner defense? I think it's a combination of all of it. Obviously, Chase Young was a huge juice, a shot of adrenaline. He doesn't even have to get stats, and it makes a presence on the uh, you know on the defensive line. Him and Bosa are you know playing really good off each other and getting to the quarterbacks at a high rate. So I think um, those two guys playing on the D line, making sure Armstead and Hargrave you know are also single covered on the line, it's helping. I think that has been a huge you know help. Uh, Chase Young was a was a master trade. Like I love John Lynch for making that move. He he made sure the 49ers had an elite edge rusher on the opposite side of Bosa. Something that me and you have been saying for months and they finally did it. That was one. Um Steve Wilkes coming to the sideline. I could tell the communications just so much more crisp. I know he's going to say that doesn't make a difference, but Fred Warner has said many times that the communication is so flawless now. I've seen many times, you know, after, you know, a touchdown or a big play I see Steve Wilkes on the sideline just hyped up, and I'm like, okay, you could tell he's feeling the energy for the players. I think that does make a big difference. When, you're field, when your general's on the field with you going to war, I think they respect them more. Um, the adjustments that they've made after the bye week, moving Oliver to the bench was massive because this was Steve Wilkes' guy, his touted free agent, and for him to say, hey, look, we got to move you for the better of the team, was it took a lot of – that gets a lot of respect out of me, and it gave a lot of confidence for Ambry Thomas. It wasn't just – Okay, they placed Ambry Thomas in the in the lineup. They they believed in him because this is a guy that was written off by every Niner fan out there, content creator, and he was placed in the lineup after the 49ers could have went and signed other cornerbacks, right? They had a chance to get Jalen Johnson and a lot of other players. They could have, but you know what they did? They said, Nope, we're gonna stick with this guy, Ambry, that is on our roster. That gave this young man so much confidence. And he's been a baller, Larry. This offense, this defensive secondary has been absolutely incredible. And moving Lenore into the slot, brilliant, because he's been so physical. He's like a physical guy, but he couldn't do it outside on the perimeter. He always got caught up. Now he can go out there, deliver the hit, and he's having fun doing it. So it's a combination of all those things, I think. I'm going with Ambry. I really think that, you know, Shanahan made it perfectly clear. He's like, uh, the answer to our quarterback cornerback problems lie inside this building. Mm-hmm. And that was his way of saying, hey, man, we got Womack. We got Looter. We got Ambry. We got guys that we like. Um, to me, Ambry, you know, putting Ambry on the field, putting uh, uh, Diamador inside, it made sure that the Niners were putting their best three corners on the field at one time. And I think that's that's you know that's it right there. I mean, I, I uh, I'm amazed by the turnaround as well. RG says amazing how Ambry turned it around. Awesome. Yes, yeah. yeah. No, he, and he's a great guy. Uh, I've interviewed him a couple times in the last few weeks, and he's a really religious guy. I mean, his faith is hugely important to him. I said, "What do you do before the game?" And he's like, "You know, I, I sit in my locker and I say prayers." I said, Hello. "Really?" I go, "You're not you're not listening to music or." having fun or, you know, talking ball with it. you you know, guys, maybe a coach or, you know, some of the veterans, Tayshawn. No, he's like, I like to, I like to stay quiet. I don't like to get too amped up. And I'm, a, I'm a, you know, my faith is very important to me and I sit in my locker and I say some prayers and it's like, you know what? I mean, the guy is, is a really talented football player and he's getting a second and third chance here and he's not letting it, letting go of it. And it's it's been it's been awesome to watch. All right, let's let's hit the supers and then we'll bolt for the door. Uh, we got this one from Jalen Legrant. I bet Big Dom sounds like Trent Balky. You know, um, 
I saw Lowry. I saw, I saw, you know, that Dre Greenlaw character and he was coming at me with his finger and man, the way he hit my cheek, I mean, my jowls, they shook and it came so close to my eye, Lowry. I'll tell you, this is big dumb. And, uh, I hope I enjoyed my time on the sidelines because chances are I'm asses out going forward. I'll mm-hmm. tell you that much. There you yeah. go. There's my big dumb. That's a good uh, <laughs> Jalen LeGrant. Eagles finally lose seed in the division in two weeks. Ooh, wouldn't that be something? Oops. Wouldn't that be something? Lose to Dallas. Uh, we got this one from Randall. Montana needs to be stripped of his 1989 <laughs> MVP. Laughing my ass off. Jerry Rice, John Taylor, Roger Craig, Tom Rathman, Brent Jones, top O-line, top defense were the reasons he won. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you. Hey, Steve Young, you didn't deserve the MVP either. Why, Krug? Uh, you had bar none and Waters and Jones and Taylor and Rice and a Pro Bowl offensive lineman and Dion and B.Y. and Stubby and uh, Woodall and Norton. Something tells me he'd be like, uh, no, yeah, I'm not giving it up. Roberto Davis, Brock is going to bring home championship number six. I feel it. I feel it in my bones. I feel it too. How great is that parade going to be? Uh, Elite Archer 23, is the defense fast enough for Lamar? We're going to find out. We're going to find know what? out. They could, they contain Jalen. If they could contain Jalen, they'll be able to contain Lamar. That was a huge test for them. And, they, they held Jalen down, and I think that's going to bode well for them. Lamar doesn't have his number one weapon. You know, he lost uh, Andrews. Andrews, that tight end there in Baltimore, was the, clearly Lamar's number one go-to guy. Mm. RG Teamster says Eagles can lose at Seattle, too. Yeah. I, hope so. I hope so. Yeah, don't discount that. That's a good point. RG Teamster says the Lenore hit reminds me so much of Deshaun Goldson. The yeah. Hawk! Dude, yeah. Le- Lenore folded folded the running back ate him up yeah just sit down and that was that was such a bitter pill too for bless bless excuse me but that was such a bitter pill to see um you know to see the running back just get destroyed loved it are you kidding me oh my god it was great it was a great moment absolute great moment uh Three last non-supers. We got this one, Francisco Lopez. How serious is the Armstead ailments? Uh, he's got plantar fasciitis, and he's got a knee injury, but he says he's going to keep going. I don't know. I don't know. Have you heard anything? Kyle about- said more tomorrow. They're doing tests and stuff. Last week it was a foot. This week the knee issue popped up, so that's something to keep an eye on. We'll know more tomorrow when practice resumes. I'll be there. Yeah. Christine Workman dressed in black. That was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, the Niners did look really sharp. They did. It was a funeral. They, the Trent Williams says we dressed up like it was their funeral. I was like, wow, dude, that was, that was, uh, it was diabolical. Uh, um, how about them? Niners says, give me brand, give me Brandon rice in the third round and Frank Gore jr. And Brevin span Ford in the fifth. Well, I don't know about Frank Gore jr. And I don't know about Brevin span Ford. But I'll tell you this, I have done the deep dive already on Brendan Rice, mm. and he ain't Jerry, okay, which ain't, is no, you know, ain't no problem with not being Jerry. But that kid can absolutely play. 
get these and back. I would love to see the 49ers. I've done a bunch of mock drafts already in advance of April's draft. And I always make sure I pluck Brendan Rice in the fourth, fifth, fourth, fifth round in that range. He's not, he doesn't have the same. Well, he's actually kind of a big kid. And I think he's got good, good height, but he doesn't look like a, he's not linear like Jerry. He's a little thicker than Jerry. But what I, what I love is the desire, the route running, the hands, all the little things. Brendan Rice is going to be a very good NFL wide receiver. Not decent, not pretty good. He's going to be a very good NFL wide receiver. He's, he's he's got that same I've got to have it. You know, he plays with the urgency of his father and he doesn't have the same foot speed. He doesn't have the same kind of long arms and and build. He's he's a little he's a little uh I don't know how to describe him, but he's he has got good height and he's got good strength, uh, but he's not quite as, I don't think he's quite as fast as Jerry, regardless of what the 40 may say. And, um, you know, there's only one Jerry. I mean, come on. Yeah. There's, there's, I mean, you know, Jerry's Jerry, totally different, but Brendan Rice is legit. And he absolutely, if I'm John Lynch, he absolutely is a 49er on draft day because he's a really good football player. And uh, you put him on this, on this unit and you'll sit there in three years and go, man, thank God that they drafted Jerry. I mean, I'm sure there'll be people if they draft and be like, ah, nepotism, nepotism. No, this kid can flat out play. I seen him at USC five different times this year. The ball skills are off the charts, the dedication, the hands, the route running. This is a very, very good wide receiver. And he's going to be a productive NFL wide receiver, and he's got to be a Niner somehow. I hope he's. I want Frank Gore Jr. too, though. Like I, I haven't seen tons of Frank Gore Jr. Guy run. He looks like his dad. He runs like his dad. He's actually a little bit more versatile. Like he's he's thrown a touchdown pass before. He's got. He can catch. He is so good. I'll study him. Yeah, study him. He's got the work ethic of his dad. He looks and runs just like Frank Gore. And Frank Gore's in the front office now. You think he's not going to try to get Lynch to get this man? You know, you know, Frank Gore's going to say, John, John, draft my son, John, draft my son, John, draft my son. Every single day in draft meetings, I guarantee you he's going to make sure. If we get Brendan Rice and Frank Gore Jr. on the 49ers, I will do cartwheels. Come on, man. That would be very, 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 very cool. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for us. Raj, what do you got cooking on your channel the rest of the week? It's uh, It's a Tuesday night, so we got... Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then game day at Levi's against the, against the Seahawks and Pete Carroll. Uh, yeah. What do you got cooking on the channel? Business as usual, man. We just keep pulling out the lies. We're going to keep putting the content out. Um, Instagram as well. Uh, I'll be at the game set, uh, Sunday, so I'll probably get a lot of good content from the game on the YouTube channel. Um, just rolling, man. We're trying to build a YouTube like we built the Instagram. And speaking of Instagram, we are closing in on 300K followers, Larry. 297. I can't believe it, dude. Look at you. 297,000 subs or yeah. followers on, in, on the IG for, for uh, Raj. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Um, as far as our own channel, uh, we're sitting here. We passed 29,004. Oh, wait, we're at 29,000. We picked up almost 200 subs just this afternoon. We're wow. at 29,527. 
Oh, maybe man. we can get to 30,000 before the Seahawks game on Sunday. I was oh. hoping to get to 30,000 by the end of the football season, but now I think we got to gain, we got to maybe push it out. Where do you think, Raj? I mean, we're at 29,527. It's December the 5th. If the Niners go to the Super Bowl, that's probably almost two months if from you, right now. Where, how high can I get the channel to? If the 49ers make the Super Bowl, Larry, you're going to be sitting at 40K. 40K on Super Bowl <laughs> Sunday. 40k. That would be the, that would be sweet. 40k on Super Bowl Sunday. Yeah. All right, thanks to everybody. Thanks to New York style Italian sausage. Thanks to Pig and a Pickle. Thanks to Marin Auto Glass. Thanks to Mojo Fantasy and Underdog Fantasy. Raj, you're the man. Have a great Tuesday night. Hope everybody uh, does the exact same. Um, loving that hoodie. And uh, the Niners beat the Phil- beat the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday, so all is right with the world. And guys, we'll leave you with this: Brock Purdy is freaking great. Yeah, never met a man I've been scared of. Careful, you won't get exactly what you ask.